You have to interview with this consultant. They call them efficiency experts, but what you're really doing is interviewing for your own job. Tom, every week you say you're going to lose your job and you're still here. Not this time. I bet I'm the first one laid off. Just the thought of having to go to the state unemployment office and stand in line with those scumbags! Hi, and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum in Washington, D.C. And I'm Laura Conaway in New York City. Today's Friday, December 5th. It's around 2.45 in the afternoon on the East Coast. On today's show, we're going to be talking about layoffs, specifically the idea that layoffs might, in kind of a strange and miserable way, actually be good for us. But before we go there, I have the Planet Money indicator for today. It's about layoffs, and it's not a number. It's a word, and that word is meltdown. Don't say that. That's not coming from me. That's from Ian Shepardson. He is the chief U.S. economist for a group called High Frequency Economics, and I called him this morning after the government released the latest figures on unemployment. Well, we learned today that uh, 533,000 people uh, net lost their jobs in November, and we also learned that the number of job losses in October and September were nearly 200,000 worse worse than was first thought. So really, we've had an announcement today of job losses not far short of three-quarters of a million in one go. And you wrote that this is almost indescribably terrible. Yeah, I mean, the November figure was the worst for 34 years. Uh, The trend in the last few months has been straight down at an accelerating pace. We've got an unemployment rate that's heading towards 7% and will blow through 7% very, very quickly. And we've got weakness across pretty much every sector of the economy with one or two small exceptions. So uh, it really is absolutely awful. Was there any good news in there? Nope. There was nothing in there that that would make you think that anything's improving anytime soon. Uh, There was nothing to think that there are certain sectors of the economy that are just charging along regardless. I mean, there was weakness pretty much everywhere. So when you look at the data, it, it reinforces the impression that we have from a host of other numbers that the economy is in something like freefall in the last few months. These are the most jobs that have been lost in a month since 1974. I wonder if that was really a fair comparison because, you know, the economy was much smaller. We had a smaller population in 1974. Yes, that's absolutely true. Uh, if you looked at the share of the population, it's not as bad as that number was by a long way. But, of course, there's no guarantee that this is the end of the acceleration of the job losses. Uh, I mean, just three months ago, we were looking at a trend in job losses of about 100,000 a month. And here we are in November losing 533, a number which could easily be revised higher. I mean, that certainly has been the the recent pattern. So we could eventually, at some point in the first quarter of next year, say, we could see job losses as a share of the population that do match the the 74 experience. Uh, There's no reason why that couldn't happen. It, It seems to me that corporate confidence has hit extraordinarily low levels across the whole economy, manufacturing, services, exporters everywhere. Consumer confidence is also at extraordinarily low levels. And um, in that environment, I think companies that maybe were hanging on to people, perhaps in the hope that the downturn wouldn't last much longer or that maybe they could, they could hold on to people for a bit, for a bit longer, uh, are, are simply throwing in the towel, decided that they just can't do it anymore. The conditions are, are too bad. And so we seem to be seeing something of a, of a tidal wave at the moment, and there's no telling when it's going to end. Uh, That's Ian Shepardson. He is the chief U.S. economist for a group called High Frequency Economics. He says he expects the next round of numbers, not just job numbers, to be just as shocking. But, Laura, you had some good news about 
right? You had good news about layoffs, you were saying? <laughs> well, for one thing, did you know that the word layoff used to mean essentially vacation? No, I had no idea. Yeah, in fact, it's um, an old farm term, and I got that from Ammon Shea, who wrote Reading the OED. Layoff used to mean basically that you stopped working for the winter, and, and that was it. Because the thing about layoffs is that there are different ways of looking at them. One perspective is you're the person who's been laid off, and you have to make sense of your life. Right. And the other perspective is the economists who are trying to make sense of the whole economic system. Yeah. So let's start with the part that's maybe closest to my heart. We'll start with a couple of people who have been laid off. The first is Krista Summit. She works out of Raleigh, North Carolina. I should say she worked out of there. She worked for Lenovo as a web market strategist. When you say you've been laid off, what do you mean? I, I Honestly, my gut reaction is I lost my job. Um, I think the difference, obviously, is that this isn't something to do with my performance or, or so much as it is um, uh, my job was eliminated. It's not your fault. Right. Krista got her news about three weeks ago. Wow, so that means she is actually one of those 533,000 jobs that got eliminated we just uh, heard about. Yeah, that's a lot of jobs, isn't it? Krista is a walking statistic. And just wait till you hear this next guy, David. His name is Joe Grassi. He works in a little township outside Detroit. Joe Grassi works on a Chrysler assembly line. He stamps the doors for the Grand Cherokee. He's been in the auto industry for nine years. And in that time, he has been put out of work over and over over? I've been laid off a lot. Uh, four were the layoffs that you don't want to hear about, The uh, you know where you don't know you'll be, getting, you'll be going back to work. Uh, but then there's been about a dozen or so where it was just volume related, where we'd get laid off and um, we'd have a return to work date. It was just, you know, to reduce inventory. You know, every time it gets a little worse, even though there's a return to work date, um, you know, he's got a couple of kids and mortgage and all that other stuff that comes along with it and just gets a little scarier every time. Now, it's worth noting that when Joe, the auto worker, gets laid off, he can still bring in up to about 90% of his old 40-hour check. He gets unemployment. He gets a certain amount of union benefits. But he says he feels less sure each time now that he'll actually be going back to the plant. And in any case, for both Joe and Krista, there is nothing good about being out of work. Yeah, certainly not. But, you know, our colleague Adam Davidson, he told me about another way of looking at layoffs. Adam says there's an idea among economists, and it's an idea that I think really is probably going to make a lot of people mad. Okay, go ahead. It has to do with the idea that layoffs are a natural part, a healthy part of the economy. So, Laura, you know, we've been talking about layoffs, and you and I had a conversation the other day where I said, you know, layoffs aren't – this is a delicate thing to say. Layoffs are not always – layoffs are not inherently a bad thing. In fact – That's very brave of you, Adam. I know. I'm feeling really nervous that we're going to – I know we're going to get a lot of angry letters. I apologize. Layoffs are incredibly painful. It's a horrible experience for any individual. But it might be very good for an economy for there to be layoffs or the possibility of layoffs. And you didn't really believe me, I think. Well, um, you know, I think we should do a little more than take that on faith. Well, I thought who who can help me lay this out and, and no one would be better than Don Boudreau, who joins us now. Hi, Don. 
Hello. How are you? Good, good. How are you? You are um, at George Mason University where you run the economics department. That's right. As much as one can be run. Right. I, herding cats, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and I thought that you can help me make this argument, which I don't know how good a job I did to Laura, with Laura on the other end of the line. But um, first off, is it is it a good – is your argument that layoffs are a good thing? The, the the flexibility of the economy is a good thing. The ability of the economy to take advantage of, of new sources of efficiency and to respond to changes in consumer uh, demands is a good thing. And layoffs, unfortunately, are a necessary and unavoidable um, uh, 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 counterpart to that. So it's not that the layoffs themselves are a good thing, but they are the product, the inevitable product of things that are utterly essential, utterly essential uh, to maintain the, the quality of life that Americans enjoy. Indeed, the very jobs that Americans, that people don't like to get laid off from, were made possible only because uh, of an economic system that had the possibility of layoffs in them. So you're saying like a guy, you know, obviously there's a lot of people in the auto industry who are facing layoffs now, and that is painful and sad, and it's it's so many that it's not just affecting individual families. It's affecting entire areas of our nation. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't have an auto industry if... Blacksmiths hadn't gotten laid off effectively, yes. So, whip makers. So, Don, can you point to a situation, an economy, in which layoffs are less possible than they are in the United States? Well, the European economies, of course, are, are notorious for having stricter uh, statutory labor regulations that do make it more difficult for employers to lay off full-time workers. And uh, unemployment in Europe is is higher. There's some dispute about the causality. I'm pretty convinced, though, that, that the causality runs from the strict uh, labor regulations to the higher unemployment rate. Look, when when you go to when an employer seeks to hire a worker, that employer is not in the charity business. That employer is going to employ a worker only if that employer believes that the worker will, over time, contribute net positive value to that employer's bottom line. And uh, when you increase, when you arbitrarily increase that cost, when you arbitrarily say make it more difficult for an employer to fire a worker, that raises the cost to the employer of hiring the worker to begin with. Uh, because the employer thinks, well, gee, if the work if the worker doesn't work out, if it, either the worker himself turns out or herself turns out to be uh, you know uh, less skilled than I thought, or demand for my product declines, so I can't afford to keep as many workers as I'm, I, I plan to hire. Uh, the inability to uh, the, the fear about the inability to lay workers off, or the difficulty or costliness of laying workers off in the future, means that employers today are not going to hire as many workers today as they otherwise would. And I want to ask you just quickly, Don, have you ever been fired or laid off? Uh, no, but my father has been fired. My father uh, was a was a pipe fitter in a shipyard just just outside of New Orleans, and uh, there were many times when I was growing up. I, I would. I would say in the course of my childhood, 10 times maybe, where my dad was laid off. Laid off and then brought back. Laid off and then brought back. Uh, sometimes he was laid off for months, sometimes for just a few days. And it was difficult, but my family, they, they, they uh, you know, we, we survived. But I, no, I personally have never been laid off. 
it's kind of a, an intellectual argument that, you know, maybe you could persuade a fair number of people. And, and frankly, I'm, I'm pretty sympathetic to this argument. The way I picture it is the United States has these things that it can give to industries that are, that are likely to grow fast. It, uh, the, U, the U.S. overall as a system can put money into them. It can put skilled people like engineers or skilled managers or artists or whatever. And for the system as a whole to, to do really well – you want that system to be able to just hurl money and and smarts and resources at the next new thing. I mean, if the internet's starting to to grow, you do not want to say, "Wait a second, everybody, we got to focus on you know making VHS tapes." Forget this internet. Um, so, so I get the intellectual argument that overall it's it's a good idea for the system. But the heart argument, the argument that you say to a guy who's laid off, That's right. That's hey, right. hey, buddy, you know, it's the price you got to pay for a growing economy. Yeah. Well, and I admit that no one likes to, no one likes to, to, to endure hardship. And Don, I'll say, you know, to, I guess in some, at least some degree of support of your argument, where, where I saw this made very clear to me as at least a possible explanation. I, I went to Paris when they had those riots, when there were the kids in the street rioting. Mm-hmm. And what the kids said to me over and over and over again is, we can't get a job. We have nothing to do. We can't get a job. So we're bored all the time and we don't feel like we're ever going to get a job. Mm-hmm. And then when I talked to the local employers, they were very clear to me. We won't hire a 17-year-old kid or a 19-year-old kid who doesn't have a track record because it's just too costly. What you know? I, these are not the kind of people I want to have a long-term commitment with. Yeah, and you might want, you might find yourself with a long-term commitment if you do hire them. You know, it, when th- these kind of policies do, in fact, affect mostly uh, the young people who would otherwise be because they have no track record. The other th- argument that I, that I've heard that, that that strikes me as at least potentially reasonable is that there was a time like the transition from horse and buggy to to autos where these changes would happen in a generation and they could you know there there was kind of a slow and steady adjustment but now because of computers because of increasing global trade because of whatever other reasons these changes can happen you know in weeks or months mm-hmm. and then happen again in weeks or months and and it and it the transition costs are so huge that whether I, I don't even know how you do it through trade barriers, through well, law, you, you slow it down a little, or you make the adjustments more uh, easy. Perhaps, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. I buy the premise. It, it may be right, but uh, the very same factors that make change, uh, you know, make disrupting change more quick, and I do think that's true. On the other side, they also make the ability to adjust to the change uh, more quick as well. Uh, you can, you can, you, you know, jobs might be destroyed more quickly, but jobs might be created more quickly as well. And I'm not sure which of those effects dominates. It's by no means clear to me that the former dominates the latter. So that's the view from Don Boudreaux. He's a libertarian economist at George Mason University. He blogs at Cafe Hayek. And we'll link to it from our blog, npr.org slash money. So we should be clear. He's not saying that layoffs are necessarily good for the people right now who are getting laid off or necessarily good for the economy right at this minute. No, by no means. 
Boudreaux is just saying that in order for companies to hire people, they have to know that they can let go of them. Yeah, it sort of makes an obvious sense, right? But, I mean, if, if you've just been laid off, I, I think that line of thinking could be sort of hard to swallow. Well, yeah. I mean, and just say for the sake of argument, though, that layoffs today make prosperity possible tomorrow. Right. I mean, the thing that interview got me thinking about, though, is that, you know, there is some cost to it, right? I mean, in some extreme case, suppose in order to make the economy perfect, you know, we all had to be fired, be unemployed for a while and get rehired every couple of years. We might say, you know... I'm thinking having a less than perfect economy uh, would be okay if I instead I can have some more stability and keep my job. Yeah, because you end up getting bounced around a lot. I mean, I recently got canned twice in one calendar year. And I can tell you from personal experience, if you're one of the people who's sacrificing for the common good, you are not loving it. I asked Krista and Joe about it. Here's Krista Summit, the web marketer, talking about Boudreaux's argument. Uh... I would say that's the, the Timothy Leary School of Economics, personally. I think that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Oh, gee. Um, I mean, I think you know, he's looking at it in a very myopic way because, you know, if you consider the domino effect of someone losing their job, Immediately, I know for me, I've started thinking, okay, what can I cut back on? Um, so, you know, it may affect things like, you know, getting your hair done and, and things that small businesses that I patronize that I may not, you know, do anymore. Um, you know, newspaper subscriptions, cable, you know, all these things you start thinking, well, now if it really gets bad, what can I cut back on? And that all has a downstream effect um, to other businesses. So you're not buying it? Not for a minute, no. Next up, Joe Grassi, the auto worker. Adam and I went to him. Joe started off saying that he could see Boudreaux's point, that companies won't hire people if they can't let them go. And then he said, no, he just, he can't see the point. Yeah, right now it's, uh, layoff's a pretty dirty word. Um, Yeah, I just... Just some people that you know I'm friends with right now are uh would never thought but they're they're getting um Christmas clothes from uh different charities. Um who's uh a friend of mine whose husband um works in automotive, has been laid off for a while. Um, did pretty well for a while and uh like I said, now they're accepting um Christmas clothes. You're not going to call that person and say, hey, but at least you're part of what makes this a dynamic economy. Right. right. It's kind of hard to see the other side of it right now. That's the thing about economics. You know, in the end, it's you've got your head and you've got your heart. And on an individual level, there's really no choice about which one you're going to listen to. You mean you listen to your heart? You have to. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, Laura. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Planet Money. We'll talk to you again on Monday. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Laura Conaway. Check out our open call for your stories about choices in the new economy at npr.org slash money. You were born a box in the city that's seen the shit.